Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, and we will be in chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I hope everybody had a good Christmas. Do you all have a good Christmas? Good time? It's good? Seven grandkids, seven dogs, uh, piles of all kinds of, of beds <laughs> everywhere, and it was, it was crazy at our house. And as we say, sometimes the best Christmas lights are what? Tail lights. There you go. Amen. It was fantastic. Edit that out in case my kids listen to this, which they do. Last year, we spoke, I challenged us a year ago, 52 Sundays ago, that back then, if you remember, we said we have a whole year ahead of us. And the way you end up a year from now is your choice, whether you're closer to the Lord or farther away, whether you're more at peace or have more anxiety. And, and you and I, being responsible for our own growth, I am responsible for my growth in the Lord. You are responsible for your growth in the Lord. And what you do over those next 52 weeks makes you exactly who you are today. And so let me follow up with that challenge. How are you doing today? Are you more at peace than you were? Are you closer to the Lord than you were? Are you... Uh, more effective, as it says in James, more effective in your prayer life? H have things become more clear to you in the last 52 weeks as, you, as you've read the Word? Are relationships, are you fighting for relationships? As far as it is up to you, you live at peace with all men. Is that you? Is this me? So we make a commitment to the Lord Jesus, assuming you have, and what our commitment is, is to die to self and allow our soul to live in Christ. That our soul, our heart, our character becomes more impressed with Jesus as if Jesus impresses himself on us and we begin to take on his character. So we die to self, our own ambitions, our own fleshly desires and we live for him and we make a statement that, that I am going to grow in him, pursue him, become more effective in the gifts that he's given me, have a, an eye for eternity and I'm going to grow. And so it is, it is up to us as individuals to personally make a plan for our growth so that we could be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's who we are to be. And, and it's hard to evaluate. And so the questions would be to evaluate me. My, my questions, what I would ask me is, is those, those questions I asked earlier, has the scripture become more clear? Am I, am I seeing life within a biblical worldview, more biblically? Am I being carried about by my own whims and my own passions? Am I allowing my own insecurities to drive me? Or am I allowing the calling of God to drive me? You know what I mean by that, insecurities? You know, insecurities are those things, those little buttons within inside of us that people can push. 
You may have an insecurity of, of maybe a, a, you feel that you're not honored as you should or low self-esteem. And then anytime you get into an environment that feels like you're being, uh, being put down, then, then you begin to manifest in all kinds of physical ways. And so these insecurities make you do things or maybe there's all kinds. And we, I don't, I don't want to go there. All I want to say is they're inside of each one of us. And so one way to evaluate usness, us, is are we be driven more by our insecurities than we are our callings of God and our disposition in the Lord. And so we are responsible to grow and, and, you're gonna, and you want to grow because growing in the Lord is where He gives you and He begins to pour out more profoundly the fruits of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you and I become more and more like Christ. But too often we pray a prayer to receive Christ, and we might join a small group Sunday school and get involved in that, but yet we really have no intention of being deeply moved by the gospel or any intention of obeying Jesus even to the point of sacrifice. We don't do that. We just, we want to live our own lives and we want to add a little bit of religion, add a little bit of Jesus. It's okay for him to be my co-pilot. He just can't be my pilot. It's, it's very similar to this, to where, have you ever been driving down the road? And you see those bright orange signs, they're kind of a triangle, no, they're a square, but it's turned pointy like this. You get the point. <laughs> and it says this, it says, uh, road under construction, right? You ever seen those? In fact, if you come around the loop like I did this morning from 277 and you're driving up, I saw three of these signs because they did construction on the bridge at Knickerbocker. Remember that? They did it at night. Remember that? And as you're passing by, it says road under construction. And you're driving a little further and you go, I don't see any construction. And then you see another one, road under construction. And you're driving a little further and you say, I'm not seeing any construction. And then you drive far enough, just like I did today, and it said, construction ended. And you're like, I never saw construction. I just saw the signs. And it's like many Christians, they say, listen, I'm being transformed into the image of Jesus. But yet you're not seeing any construction taking place. You're not seeing any evidence. You may, you may show up for the construction, but it's just not being manifest in your life. You might show up for Bible study, show up for church, or you might even listen to Christian music, but yet there's no transformation, no reconstruction going on within our heart. And it's, it's a way of being deceived. And Paul is here in Colossians just saying, listen, man, uh, you guys are doing fantastic, but if there's any among you who are not living in Christ and not being transformed, listen to this. And then here's our passage of soulish construction within our heart. Let's just read it together. Well, I'll read it and you can follow along. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and it says this. So if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above, where the Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above. So we're to seek and we're to set. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. When the Messiah who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, put to death whatever is in you that is worldly. And then he lists these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Verse 6. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now 
You must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. And then verse 9, do not lie to anyone since you have put off the old man with its practices and have put on the new man who is being renewed. Now, this is where we want to be. We want to put on the new man, verse 10, who is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of his creator. Here, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcision and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slaves free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, verse 12, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, that, that's us, the beloved, the body of Christ. God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, also you must forgive. Above all, put on love. There it is, the putting on again. Put on love, the perfect bond of unity. And then when we do these things, we move into that active passive. We've talked about that in the past. You are to actively put yourself in a passive role. Like you would actively go to a car wash and you would let the car wash wash you while you're passive sitting in the car. So here it is, verse 15. And let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. Here's, a, here's an active passive again, verse 16. And let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So this, this is an incredible passage of Scripture, which gives us our ambition of what we are to be like. We are to be incredibly ambitious and, and strategically disciplined for these things. And when you do, you experience all the fullness that is here. In fact, he starts off with, so if or since you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above. And then chapter one, chapter two describes our position in Christ and how glorious it is to be a part of the body of Christ, how glorious it is to be named as Jesus' followers, holy, beloved, blessed. And he starts off and he just says, listen, you are the kinds of people in verse four, chapter one, I have heard about your faith. Now, where did he hear their faith? Did he hear it on the internet? No. On the telephone? No. Through mail? No. He heard it from other people. You and I sh should have the same kind of faith that these people did, that the things that we do, someone else hears about it before we even show up. It's, 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 it's a reputation it's, it's a different type of order, a different type of lifestyle that your faith becomes loud. Not because you're speaking it, although it can include that, but it means that faith must be seen. If faith is not seen, then there's a good chance that it's very, very weak if it's even there. So faith is something that literally transforms us as it did the people who lived in Colossae. And this turned out that they... They have the love that they have for one another. 
And so even if, let's just say this, let's just say that our faith isn't expressed in anything else but just this one thing of the way that we love one another. I mean, wouldn't that be a big deal? To, to truly love one another. That means that we actually get to know one another. We allow people to get to know us and we're not embarrassed or ashamed. We just are willing to be known. We're willing to know because why? We love one another. In fact, Jesus made this statement. They will know that you are my follower, that you are my disciple because you love one another. And this kind of love is fantastic. It is glorious. It is really, really good. If you are apprehensive to get close enough to other people to where they can love you and you can love them, it, it, please uh, push through that fear or that anxiety. Just, just, just give that up and say, you know what? I really want to get to know people and love them. And you know what? You, you may find people that are really messed up. But that's... and. That's okay because they're willing to meet you and you're really messed up too, right? We, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all have things and quirks and we all have different ideas and we have different backgrounds and we are different kinds of people. But to say, listen, I desire to love as Christ loved. I don't care about those things. I just care about you. And that's, that's what's so powerful. But also, here's something else that happens. Verse, verse 9, for this reason also, since the day I heard... Since the day we heard this about their faith, we haven't stopped praying for you, and we are asking that you may be... So here's part of our ambition. This is, this is our vision. This is what we're driving for. Your soul is driving for this. I hope it is. We're, that to be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that we may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. So here's what he's saying. Being filled with the knowledge of Him so that our life would be transformed on the outside. We learn the Word, we digest the Word, we pack the Word in, and we grow in our knowledge and wisdom of Him so that our life is radically changed. It's like, you know, have you ever made a mistake? Yes, okay, you have. Thank you for answering that. You've made a mistake, and you probably would have said, after you've made the mistake, I wish I would have known this and this and this before I made the mistake, right? So that's what it means to being filled with knowledge and wisdom. You learn these things so that you don't lash out with temper. You don't, you don't say things that are rude. You don't act in certain ways that are greedy. You, you're not a selfish person because you know these things and you are filled. In other words, you know what to do and you're satisfied with God. Therefore, you live in a worthy manner. And so that's what's our ambition. We want to be these kinds of people. But also, verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance of light. And so he's just saying, listen, there's power to transform. There's power to transform you. And so it's not about you not having the accessible power or God not coming along with you to change you. If I am not being changed, it's not God's fault, right? If we are doing these things, God is saying He's going to do His thing. I read an article this week talking about how to grow corn in an acre of land. Not that I'm going to do that, but it just this, this article uh, intrigued me. And it says, 
There was an agricultural school in Iowa that did a study on how to grow corn in one acre land. And this is, this is what's required to grow this corn. Four million pounds of water to grow corn in one acre. 6,800 pounds of oxygen. That's a lot of oxygen. 5,200 pounds of carbon. 160 pounds of nitrogen. 125 pounds of potassium. 75 pounds of yellow sulfur and other elements too numerous to list. In addition to these ingredients are required rain and sunshine at the right times. Although many hours are invested by the farmer, it is estimated that only 5% of the produce is a result of what the farmer does. And the 95% that results in produce is what God provides. Now here's something interesting. If the farmer didn't do the 5%, the other part is just sitting there, available but not being used. It's just like your spiritual growth. The Spirit of God is here to excite things within you, to calm your heart. Uh, the Lord Jesus has, has lived the life and the example, and He's here, and He's present within your heart. And there's the body of Christ with phenomenal teachers that are all over and servants that are here. And all it takes is for you and for me to dig in and to have this vision, this ambition of what He wants to do within our life because everything else is available. That's what God has given us. So how do we do it? Number one, you are to set your minds. Set them. Many of you have, we've been over this passage. We went over this passage last year, I believe. It's hard to, for me to remember so many sermons stick in my mind, but we did. So you set and you seek. You have to set. There is a moment where you say, I am going to be a follower of Christ. I have given my life to Christ. I died to self and I'm headed this way. And if anybody else wants to come along, you can. In fact, for those who are single and are dating, let me give you some advice. You may want a spouse. Here's what you do. You go for Jesus. And when you go for Jesus with all that you have, when you find that person that's coming alongside, then you found a mate. But if you're out looking this way and this way and trying to find that mate and going to all the wrong places, looking for all the wrong kinds of love, you'll never find the one that God has for you. But you, you move forward. And that's actually a recipe for how you live your life. You say, for as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and everything else. You set your minds on the things above. You think about these things. You meditate about these things. You are to be enthralled by these things. You're to imagine how glorious the presence of God is. You are to dig into the Word, and you are to set and you're to seek the things that are above. And that's what the Lord has given us. But not only that, you're to put things off. See, and when we're born again, when we come to know Christ, we still have an old nature, as you probably are aware of your old nature. There's things that come up. Don't be surprised. That's why Paul is writing this. Don't be surprised that you may have set towards following Jesus, and next thing you know, you have thoughts that, aren't, that are maybe selfish or greedful or hurtful towards other people. You, you, you lack forgiveness, and you're thinking, well, I received Christ into my heart. Why are these sinful thoughts coming to me. Why? Does it mean I'm not saved? No, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean that at all. Everybody, everybody has sinful thoughts, right? But you don't have to act upon them. Everybody has acted upon them, even as a Christian. 
doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means we need to change gears. We need to change stations. We need to fine-tune on what it is to seek and to set our minds on Him. But we are to do this. We are to put off whatever is in you that is worldly. So if you have a worldly thought, first of all, you've got to be able to identify it. How do I know if it's wrong? Just because you have the thought doesn't mean it's right. Just because you're motivated in a certain way doesn't mean it's God's will. Just because you really, really, really want something and you really, really think that something will make you happy, it may not be God's will. Do you know that's one of the measurements of maturity? Being able to discern the will of God, even though some of the things that inside of you are still worldly, you're able to discern what is a, a good thought or a destructive thought. A thought that wants to advance you in the kingdom or a thought that wants to drag you down. That is maturity. And then how do you get that way? Well, let's just, let's just let the Word of God imprint upon us to be a grid work to things that are evil and things that are wrong. And here it is. These are worldly things. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. We live in a day to where it's always sex o'clock, right? <laughs> it's, always, it's always time for that. Commercials. Uh, more and more and more becoming more risque. Even the Hallmark station is drifting into these things where you thought, man, they're going to be sick. No, no, no. Things are moving that direction constantly. It's, it's you know, what was rated R uh, way back would be rated G today, right? I mean, things are, it's not that there's new sin today. No, sin has always been around. Every generation has written, you read the writers and the philosophers about their generations. It's always, there's been some sinful elements all about, but here's my point. It's got to the point to where the church has accepted all kinds of sexual impurities. In fact, uh, this year, more denominations worldwide have debated whether homosexuality is okay and is sanctioned in Scripture. Some denominations have voted this year to allow homosexuals uh, to be priests because they just think that's another... It's, I'm telling you, it's wrong. It is just wrong. There, there are many things that you desire that are wrong as well. There's not any sin that's worse than another, but there's no reason to say just because you have an urge or a desire doesn't mean it's right. My heart doesn't determine righteousness, right? Be careful. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Lust. Evil desires. Greed. Just wanting things, think, here's what greed is. There's nothing wrong with wanting a new pair of shoes. Nothing wrong with that. Unless you've got five million of them. I'm there's nothing, maybe I should go to another subject. There's, there's, nothing, uh, there's nothing wrong with wanting certain things, right? But what's wrong is when you think those things make you something. When these things make you feel, you put, you put stock in them, you put pride in it, you, you think these things is what will help you in the future with your emotional state, and that's just wrong. That's called idolatry. That's when shoes become gods, right? And then he goes on. Because of these things, here's why. Well, let me read the rest of the list. Look at verse, nine, uh, verse 8. Uh, you must get rid of anger, 
wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. These are the things that remind us which is the flesh. And the reason we are to get rid of them in our life, number one, because, verse 6, God's wrath comes upon the disobedient. These are the things that fuel the very wrath of God. That's what they are. They're, they're so bad that they fuel the very wrath of God. Secondly, this is how you used to live. This is what the, 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 the longings of your heart used to be. Man, I hope they used to be. I, I hope there's something in our lives that we can say, you know, this used to grip me. But now that I've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness, placed in the kingdom of light, that's no longer part of my life. Is there, any, is there a used to be to you? <laughs> I hope so. I hope that you and I are growing the way that we should and moving. But that's, that's what it is. But too often what happens is we get so filled up on the filth of the world that we don't long any longer for the things of righteousness. It's kind of like the, the mother is in the depression times. I was reading an article, a lady, she finally, uh, you know, she found some food. She found some chicken fried steak. She got a hold of it and she, she found some potatoes. And she said, you know what? I'm gonna surprise my family for dinner and I'm gonna fry some chicken fried steak, which all godly people should do, amen? And some mashed potatoes with cream gravy, right? And you get some greens, some turnip greens and you just, you just have fellowship, right? That's what happens. And she called the family in and they could smell it as they began to get closer and closer to the house. And, and the, the kids were there and all of a sudden they came to the table and they were all excited and they prayed and they thanked God for the food and they began to eat except one little boy, he was sitting there and he didn't, he didn't eat and he, he just kind of had tears run down his eyes. And the mother said, hey son, what's wrong? And he said, mom, thank you for doing this, and, but I can't eat. Why not? Well, because I got into... Mr. Johnson's field, the peanuts, and me and Bobby ate peanuts all day long, and I'm just so full, I can't eat another bite. I wish I could. And too often what we do is we get so filled up with the world that there's no more room to accept and to bring in the nutritious, saving, regenerating word, and we're just so filled up. In fact, that may have happened to you today. You may have had a bitter Christmas. You may have had a rough week. And you may be so full of whatever of the world and, and your mind is confused and you've been listening to lies and to hatred and there's no forgiveness in you. And, and, and even now, if you're maybe if you're listening, even now you're not allowing the word to penetrate because you're so full of anger or wrath or resentment and it's just not penetrating. That's what a hard heart is all about. A heart can be so hard that the word, because you're so full of all the, the brokenness of the world that the word of God isn't penetrating and the the Bible says, put it off, get rid of it. You have died to these things and you need to seek the things that are above. So we need to put off these things, but also when you put off, you need to put on. If you don't put, when you put off the worldliness, if you don't put on righteousness and the image of Christ, then that, that old worldliness will come back on even harder. It'll stick more solid. And the reality is this, that we are to put on the new man who is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. And we are to long for these things. And so when you begin to put on Christ, listen, this is something interesting he brings up in this text, that when we put on Christ, then, uh, and we are to be impressed, impressed with the image of the creator, then we are His and we no longer measure people on, on the outside. 
And in fact, he says this. He says, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile. There's no circumcised, there's no uncircumcised. There's no barbarian, there's no Synthenian. We all, man, this, this love just permeates our whole environment. We, uh, in other words, worship together, study together, living life together is more important than any other activities we do. We don't measure people by their external stuff. We measure people by their fellowship in Jesus. You see that? Because that's where he's at. That's what he's all about. And then we're to be into the Messiah. We just are. I want you to see something here. I want you to look in your Bibles. I want you to look in chapter 3, and I want you to see this. It's, it has to do with the putting on and being in the Messiah. It says, if you've been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 3. Where the Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is in the earth. Now look at verse 3. For you have died, and your life, look at this, your life is hidden in Him. Let's keep reading. Your life is hidden with Him in the Messiah. Verse 4. When the Messiah who is your life is revealed. Man, this is the question. Is He your life? Do you want to be hidden in Him? Do you think that highly of Jesus? That you want His life to be your life? Do you, do you think this highly of Jesus that you want to die to yourself so that you can live in Him? In fact, Act actually contrasted. There's the, the, the imperatives of putting on, putting off, but there's also this idea of being in Christ or being in the world. That's the contrast. You choose to be in Christ you, because you're enamored with Him and all that is said. Let me tell you who Christ is. I mean, if we need to be reminded of this constantly and our, our, our ambition of being like Him should grow in all that He is. Verse 15 of chapter 1 says this, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation because by him, everything was created. We're talking about the greatest of all, the most powerful creator, wise one. Everything was created in heaven and earth, invisible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authority. All things have been created through him and for him. He is at the top. He must be the greatest obsession that we have. Verse 17 says, He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He might come to have first place in everything. Listen, if you're not enamored with Jesus, then you're just, you got problems. You can't see. You're not seeing clearly. You haven't taken the time to invest on the most important soulish activities you could possibly do. See, when we talk about evaluating ourselves in our old life and going into the new life, it's something we must do. I need to die to self. Man, you, you may have too high of a, an opinion of, of all of your greatness. You know what the Koreans do? This is something that's new in Korea. It's called death school. And you know what they do? They're so tired of their own life, they want to reevaluate how to live in the future, and so they start going to these death schools. I want you to look at this picture. It's kind of morbid. I want you to see this. And this is a picture of death school. Yeah. So they, 
see that little chair? They sit at a desk and they begin to write. And then they, they lay back down in a coffin and they imagine the end of their life, what all they've accomplished, is it worth it? Are there people they have offended? Are there people they neglected? And they get back out of their, out of their coffin, if you will, and they begin to write some more. Now, however, you may think, as I do, that's kind of morbid. But actually, they're on to something. They just don't have the full story. They're there saying, listen, I have regrets. I've made mistakes. And they, in and of themselves, are trying to do something about it. But when you imagine yourself reckoning yourself dead to sin, then you have to present yourself alive to God. And so what God wants you and I to do is to even think about our time on earth. And to evaluate what this last year has been, what the sinful nature is all about, and we literally die to that, but then we pick up and we go from here. We are to put on. We are to be in Jesus. In fact, that's what Romans chapter 6, verse 11 says. You reckon yourself dead to the old nature, and then you present yourself alive to God, and you do it every single day. Every single day. Let me show you a verse in Colossians. And it's chapter 2, verse 5. And it says this. Chapter 2, verse 5. He says, For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit. And I'm rejoicing to see your, how well you have ordered your life and the strength of faith in Christ. Listen to me. So here's how, in 52 weeks from now, things can be different for me and different for you. It's in this verse right here. I am, Paul says, I am so blessed to see how you have ordered your life. Let me tell you, if you go through these next 52 weeks without any evaluation, without acknowledging the flesh and putting it to death, without acknowledging the, the Savior and what He's done, and being in the Savior, letting Jesus be your life, when you do that, it's glorious. And you and I must order our life to get there. Man, I'm all about experiences. And I think even now can be an experience for you to where you say, I dedicate my life to Jesus. He is the firstborn. He is above all the thrones and dominions and the demonic and you can have an event right here, a time where God just touches your heart. But there's that plus the way you order your life. The way you start January 1 of 2020. You get up and you begin to set and to seek the Lord God. You set your mind and you seek the things which are above. You get with, with God in prayer. You, you grow in your prayer life. You have a, a plan. You have a place. You have a priority. And you meet with the Lord Jesus. As Paul says, I love the way you've ordered your life. Will the Lord be able to say that about me and you? I love the way you've ordered your life. That you, you literally set things in place so that there's order, there's discipline. In fact, we follow, we teach this. Prayer is essential. Grow in the power and the effectiveness of prayer. In this next year, you and I are going to grow more in prayer than we've ever done. I make you that commitment. We're going to spend starting the 19th of Sunday night, we're going to have prayer school. That's what we're going to do. 
We're going to prayer school. You need to enroll. You need to pay tuition. Not really, but just come on. You know what? Maybe you should. Maybe you should. Maybe you should make, make, a, make a deal with somebody. You know what? If, if I don't finish this, I pay you $1,000. You're going to finish it, aren't you? Prayer school. Just digging in. So we believe in prayer. We believe in obedience to the kingdom agenda. Yeah, as you're reading the word, you circle the things that, man, I'm going to obey this. I'm going to do this. I'm struggling in this area. I need greater prayer. Being in the word. Look what it says. Let the word of the Messiah, let the message of the Messiah dwell richly among you. You're, you're not letting the word of God dwell in you if you're not reading it, meditating on it, and even memorizing it. Brothers and sisters, listen, I, my, I don't have the kind of memory I used to. I don't. But whatever I memorize, it works. Even if you can only memorize two words in a verse, then memorize that. God will use it in your life. Don't, don't say, I don't remember like I used to. Just say, I'm going to remember what I can right now. Some people tell me, I never, ever forget a face. And I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know? I, never forget, I, remember, I don't remember names, but I never forget a face. How do you know? We all, we all lose memory. We do. Some people say, I have a photographic memory. All memory is photographic, right? It all is. And so as you read and you study and you're marinating, and as you say, listen, I want to be the different, I want to be a different gal. I want to be a different guy. Then you must do these things. You have to order your life, spend time in prayer, be obedient to the things Jesus told us to. Dig into the word, read it, marinate, memorize. Just take it in. You know, what if you said, I'm going to memorize 52 verses this year? It's just one verse a week. Here's how I memorize. I read it 10 times. I write it 10 times, and I say it 10 times, and more than likely, I've, I've got it. I mean, and then, you know, the next day I forgot it, so I'll do it again, and I'll do it again, and I'll do it again. And you know what? Let's say by the end of the week, I don't remember one lick. I guarantee you that in that time of marinating, reading, and memorizing, God is changing things in your heart. Worship, coming together, and just worshiping the Lord, that our prayer time is spirit-led, worship-based, scripture-fed, corporate, what we're doing together, honoring God. Having relationships that are full of integrity and honesty. Man, if you and I do this together, we will be growing in our impact and the name and the fame of Jesus will just broadcast from you. As it says in chapter one, Paul says, I've heard of your faith. I've heard of your faith. All the way in Rome, from Turkey to Italy, he heard of their faith. And then here's the ultimate test, and I'll close with this. And whatever you do in word or in deed, verse 17, chapter 3, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus so that you and I become the kind of person that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're doing it to the glory of God. And the Spirit of God will just lift you up and transform you and those that are around us. When 2021 comes, what kind of a person do you want to be? What kind of influence do you want to have on your family? How about your work? Don't you want things to be more clear to you? Don't you want to have more power in prayer? 
And don't we as a body want to have an unerasable impact on this city and all around us? Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Glamina's Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org. 